His fantastic form at club levels handed him a chance here today. He makes an international debut. You're listening to Dr. James's One Cap Wonders. He asks, was one enough or was it one too many? Um, you know, I'd, I'd played sort of pretty regularly for the under-21s. And then when I moved to uh, to Blackburn and, uh, and and got my opportunity, that was in 97, 1997 it was. And I this was the season I won the Golden Boot. As he approaches his 50th birthday, in this week's episode, we hear from Chris Sutton as he looks back at where it all began for him as a professional footballer. Yeah, so I, I used to spend sort of 40, 45 minutes every morning kicking a ball against the wall. And then at a quarter to eight, my dad would come in and, uh, and there'd be other teachers and, and other uh, keen um, local pupils or you know pupils from the school who would come in and they'd, they'd do these... Uh, uh, fitness circuits, which were you know, really, I mean, really quite intense. Uh, sort of squat jumps, pull ups, <laughs> uh, lunges, all you know, all, all that sort of stuff. Rope climbs, um, shuttle runs. Chris's hometown club gave him the stability and platform to build a career which lasted for more than a decade. You know, there was there was uh, a great deal of competition, but pathways are really important. And there was a clear pathway at Norwich City. If you were doing well in the youth team, you get picked in the reserves. You were doing well in the reserves. There weren't big squads like there are nowadays in the Premier League because, you know, Norwich City were the old Division One, which was the equivalent of the Premier League. But if you were doing well in the reserves, you're the, you were the next one in. And that's what happened to me. And I made my debut when I was in my second year uh, of that apprenticeship, the YTS. Um, so I'd come on as a as a first team player when I was on thirty five pounds a week in in that in that second year. Mike Walk was my reserve manager, who ended up becoming the the first team manager when Dave Stringer left, and you know that ended up getting it you know regular spot in the first team. And uh, you know, looking back, it's a long time ago now, but that was. You know, arguably Norwich, one of Norwich City's greatest eras. You know, finished finishing third in the Premier League. That victory against Bayern Munich uh, in the Olympic Stadium. You know, people look back on that, and that was a special, special time. And I was lucky to be part of it. Do you? Do you? Does it, does it resonate? How important you have been to certain chapters of history for certain clubs? Because you you seem to have been at clubs during the best times for most of those clubs. When you look at Norwich, look at Blackburn, look at Chelsea, look at well, maybe not Chelsea, but still, a, 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 you know, a positive era, Celtic as well. You've you've always been there at the right time. Is that luck or yeah, I or can't, more? yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't claim Chelsea, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> you know, they they were a club on the uh, you know on the up, uh, granted, but I you know I can't claim that I had a you know played a played a major part in that. No, I think I I think I was very lucky. Um, as well, um, because of the you know the circumstance of, of Norwich City being a, a Division One team at that particular time had a lot of good older players who had a had a major influence uh, on me. You know we 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 were a good team. Uh, you know finishing third in the Premier League. I mean we were actually top uh, going into the new year, I think, which was pretty amazing. 
at the you know in the inaugural Premier League season, <laughs> uh, we are favourites for re- for relegation. You know, just think about that. I just I can never remember anybody within the dressing room thinking we were going to go on to uh, to win the Premier League. It's something the fans have wanted for him for such a long time. He finally gets his first international cap. While the club success was permeating throughout and it was bubbling along very, very well, were you hopeful of an England cap or where were you when it came to the international <laughs> yeah. stage? Um, you know, I, I, I played sort of pretty regularly for the under-21s and then when I moved to uh, to Blackburn and, uh, and, and got my opportunity, that was in 97, 1997 it was, and... I this was the season I won the golden boot, I think, for Blackburn. I had a good partnership with Kevin Gallagher. Um and so I go into the the team. I got I, I came on as a sub. Can't remember who I came on for against Cameroon at Wembley. And not that I did a great deal in that particular game. It was like 10, 12 minutes to go. Uh when the next squad was picked a couple of months later against Chile. Um, my form was pretty good at Blackburn. Still, I think there were there was a couple of injuries within the squad, and so naturally, I felt that uh, honestly, at the time, I felt that not only would I be in the squad, that that I would start the game. I wasn't expecting to be captain just yet, uh, <laughs> but you know, I would uh, that I would. Uh, you know, you know, I was play- this is you know about packing orders at the at a particular time, and uh, and Glenn Hoddle picked the squad, and he put me in the in the B squad. So uh, you know, I lost I lost my head a little bit. But you know, looking back, um, I, can't, I I couldn't honestly tell you right now who was picked in the squad. I, I don't think Shearer was fit. But looking back at that particular time, and I'll probably miss some players off. Shearer, Sheringham. Ian Wright, incredible uh, player. Ian Wright was Les Ferdinand. He was a, he was you know wonderful uh, finisher. QPR, the Newcastle, then then Tottenham. And you you know all these players. Robbie Fowler, uh, wonderful natural finisher. Uh, Michael Owen, uh, Andy Cole. Uh, you you Tizier wasn't an out and out striker as such, but a talented player. Uh, I've mentioned Michael Owen, haven't I? Dion Dublin was, you know, around. There's even people like David Hurst. I hope David Hurst is English. He was at Sheffield Wednesday. He was a good goal scorer. Stan Collymore. Yeah. Um, you know, there was there was a hell of a lot of competition. And uh, so, you know, I look back and think, blimey. Um, you know, as, uh, as, as I say, you know, not easy for an England manager to pick. But I understood that, you know, there was a pecking order and I mentioned those players and, and think, blimey, you know. Uh, but, you know, I made a rash decision and told Glenn Hoddle how unhappy I was with his decision. And I've, I work with Glenn now a bit. and I've, uh, You know, I had no right to do what I did. And he quite rightly, uh, you know, popped me in my place and, uh, and told me what he thought of me. And, uh, you know, looking back at the time, I, uh, you know, I, uh, I, you know, I thought I was absolutely spot on and right, and uh, I clearly wasn't. I, you know, 
can't you can't speak to you know person uh, in that position in England manager the way I did and um, you know I've uh, you know that's that's something which I've had to uh, regret. Do you think if you if you had reacted differently if you were at a different stage of maturity in your life, um, you and have reacted in a different way, it would have changed your international path? Or do you think it was just you were living and working in an era when, as you mentioned, there was about a 10 or 12 phenomenal forwards for England? Yeah, I just think I was an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I do. I, I, I do. I, what was I thinking? Well, I wasn't. But, you know, I don't think I'm... I'm to that extreme now but you know I thought I was right uh and do you know what in a way I still you know think well you know my thinking was justified but the way I actually acted absolutely not so you know I've, I've apologized to you know to, to claim that it was you know it was stupid I mean talking about you know cutting your nose off to spite your face it was really a very daft thing to do wasn't it uh but you know, um, blimey, you know, that's in a long list of daft things which uh, which I've done throughout my career. When when the managers changed at England and you were doing so well in Scotland and you were scoring in the Champions League, which not all English forwards were, did it cross your mind that when Alan Thompson got capped, um, did, did you think to yourself as well, maybe there's a, there's a, there's a comeback here on the cards? Well, Sven came to the Juventus game, didn't he? Which uh, you know was one of the better games, which uh, which I had, and uh, you know had that partnership with uh, with Henrik. And I always thought, you know, if Sven's not going to pick me after that, then uh, you know what what game was he watching that evening? Uh, you know, I, I really don't. I, I I don't know. There were there were, there wasn't many times. I was always. So as a player, I always admit, you know, this, this all comes from from my dad. And, you know, I don't know how people would view this, whether this is a positive or a negative, but I always used to come off the pitch and be very sort of, uh, very analytical about the way I played and always used to think uh, one of my driving forces was, you know, what can I improve on? What, what, what didn't I do well? And I, what didn't I do well at? So I'd always, I would always sort of, use that as a because I wanted to get better and that always used to use that as a motivation I remember coming actually coming off after that Juventus game and I think bar a header which um, I, you know, I I could have done but I think I might have even had a bit of cramp uh, late into the second half where I didn't hit the target you know I had a pretty good game that night so I mean it was you know the irony is this Sven was there to watch me and uh as I say, he must have he must have been on his phone or something, because uh, you know if he wasn't going to pick me off to that performance, then uh, you know it was never going to happen. Because we see players getting capped later on in life, both for Ireland, for Scotland, Jamie Vardy as well, a later merger. Did when did you acknowledge, I suppose that 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 door had shut, or was it at that point at that night with Juventus? Um, no, I don't sort of, I didn't. I don't think I sort of carried it around with me, you know, as a as a millstone round round my neck, and as a you know as a as a massive burden. I I got you know it it was pointless me sort of thinking about it. Uh, you know, I was still aware of you know there was there was still a possibility, but I couldn't 
I don't think I could let it bother me. You know, my my regret was, uh, albeit not at the time and not for a long time, that um, that you know I'd said the wrong thing to Glenn Hoddle, and you know that was that was the that was the stupid sort of angle and aspect with it. Where you know, I'm, I'm, you know, am I sure I would have had more England caps? Uh, yes, because you know there was that really daft period where uh, where international teams were. Sort of making twelve subs at half time. I mean, you know, we went through that period where they were whacking anybody on. Because um, so I think they would have had more caps maybe against the Cook Islands and Papua New Guinea and the dream you know, some of the <laughs> some of the some of the some of the smaller nations, Wales, Samarina. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And you talked about being a, an analytical individual and reflective and how your father may have been part of that. But did you ever hear his voice or was he part of your professional journey? Like, was he there with you? Not like a little budgie on your shoulder, but was was he always part of your decision-making and your professional career? Or was it more he'd done his job to get you to, into Norwich at that later age and that was it? Or was there a, kind of a uh, rapport re- remained? No, um, you know, I don't know. I don't need to think I'm a complete lunatic. Uh, but I, uh, you know, I mean, my dad's passed away what uh, over two years now, and I still sort of think about him every day. And in terms of keeping fit, and uh, I've got got a rowing machine at home, and I'll go out running. And sometimes I feel like stopping, and then I think, God, you know, what would my dad think if I stopped? I mean, it's, it's uh, and that you know that keeps me going. I you know I sort of. Um, my daughter's eleven now, and uh, she's a she's a funny little thing. And I sort of use I, I always use things like when she's doing a sports at school and what have you. And I say, you know, make sure you make sure you try hard. What was? I mean, she hates cross country, and uh, <laughs> she absolutely hates it. And I, I think as we all did, uh, and I say, make sure you you know make sure you don't walk. I don't care, you know, just get round. You know, she's not an Olympic athlete by any stretch of the imagination. I always say, what would your granddad think? And uh, so that's, you know, that's the thing which, you know, we've always done. But, you know, he was, you know, in terms of my thought process and the way I think, I think, you know, that that all that all comes from from him. In fairness, in terms of uh, not in fairness, but in terms of he he was, I think, Super tough on me when I played when I was when I was younger. He used to referee. He was my school referee, of course, being the PE teacher. And if I went down injured, he'd run past me and sort of say, "Get up, you wimp," and uh, <laughs> all that, all that sort of stuff. Um, but uh, you know, once I started getting into into Norwich's team, and he used to come and watch me, and you know, he he. He, you know, he had, he had a much softer approach then, in, you know, in terms of, you know, thinking, you know, maybe think about this, uh, you know, putting this into your game, think about, you know, don't come to the ball all the time, you know, stretch, try and stretch defenders the other way. Just, you know, he, it, he'd softened by then. But, uh, you know, his, ideally, uh, his his job was done, I suppose, once I'd, uh, once I'd gotten into the Norwich team. But that, that certainly wasn't his... Uh, uh, his sort of motive or desire for me to, you know, for for, for uh, to become a professional footballer wasn't everything to him. It was about 
you know, about about standards. Listen, when I got the job at Norfolk County Council, I was happy just playing football. I could have played local football, which I would have done, of course, and I could play local cricket in the summer. And I loved my cricket. I loved my football. And I was happy. I, you know, I was happy doing that. Uh, but, you know, I was, um, I, I was fortunate that those high school years, that base, which which, uh, you know, I got in, um, or, or, you know, that base which had, had formed under my dad's uh, sort of tutorship uh, had, uh, had, had put me in a really uh, good position. And what advice would you have to someone who was about to try and embark on the journey that, that, that you've been on, in essence, from, uh, as a professional, to eventually get to that international stage, to get, to get capped for their country and to win the leagues and to win the titles? What message would you have to a younger... Chris Sutton. Um, similar to the message which uh, you know my dad uh, used to tell me, you simply do more, do more than everybody else. Uh, there are, you know, there are some very talented people out there, and everybody has different levels of, uh, you know, of of uh, of talent uh, and ability. But um, I think that if you look at most people. In most industries, and uh, you know, you can't compare like for like, but most people get high up in the, uh, you know, in the in the food chain by by working hard, and uh, and that's you know, and that's 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 the biggest message, uh, which I think you know, I don't know whether you sort of heard of the ten thousand hour rule. You probably have the sort of Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, you know, to become a um, an expert in in you know, you have to you know do a um, do a minimum of ten thousand hours worth of uh, purposeful practice. Well, it uh, wasn't like for like, but my ten thousand hour rule was kicking a ball against the wall in the gym for four year for four years, and there would have been other boys around the world, I'm sure, um, you know, kicking a ball as frequently as me, but there would have been, you know. Uh, most other boys, or you know, at that particular time, certainly wouldn't have done. And I wasn't, you know, I I certainly wouldn't have described myself as as uh, like an, an incredible local footballer. I was okay. I, you know, I was I was one of a number of boys who, who I played against the school circuit and Sunday circuit who were sort of yeah, you know, pretty good. But I wasn't I wasn't standout, and I'm sure those. Those four years and that, you know, I mean, you 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 would have seen me play. I don't know how old you are, but I, I, I suspect you might have done. I'm not saying you're that old. This is Dr. James's one cap wonders. He's on the hunt for the Chumba Wombers of international football. Before we just wrap up, and thank you so much for joining us on One Cap Wonders. I'm just going to ask a few rapid-fire questions. Right, okay. Um, which would you pick between a, a Chinese takeaway or fish and chips? Oh, fish and chips. That's it. Uh, and if you had to pick for someone to take a penalty that your life depended on it, who would you go with, Larson, Zola or Shearer? Ivan Tony. <laughs> He's got some record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's incredible. He's a very, very talented young man. Regarding uh, the length of time you spent at a club, if you could spend ten years anywhere, where would you have spent it? Uh, Celtic. And 
uh, your favorite place to holiday without giving away any particular GDPR issues? <laughs> favorite favorite place to holiday? Uh, oh, this is bad. Uh, Florida, big fan of Disney World. Do you, do you magic most kingdom? magical place on earth? Magic Kingdom, okay. Animal Kingdom, Repcot. <laughs> uh, I like. I'm the. I'm a big fan. It's Epcot. The the ones with the different countries. It, it, is that is that Epcot where you go around the different? Yeah, yeah that's quite good. That the yeah, that's Epcot. Yeah, that would that, that one. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't remember going around. Well, I can remember starting off around there, but after you've sort of been through six countries and tried a tried an alcoholic beverage from each of the countries, it all just merges into one <laughs> and you feel globalized <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, who is your favorite manager to play under um uh, that's that's a that's a difficult one uh you know for you know i love mike walker and what he did for me at uh, norwich love kenny dargleish um but you know my, my favorite time was uh under martin who's one of the only people who i still fear really in life martin he'd sort of tear a strip off you martin wouldn't he so yeah no i, I but i uh you know a lot of respect for what for martin and what he uh what he achieved i like my time at uh as, well i like my time at all my clubs but that that era at celtic with him at the helm was pretty special do you think if he kept going with the law he would have been quite a fearsome judge or a fearsome barrister or solicitor well, that's the thing. I mean, if there's one person in the world you wouldn't want to get in an argument with, that would be Martin. I mean, yeah, he's uh, he, he's, he's so clever. I mean, he's absolutely ruthless. I mean, you know. Thank you very much for your time, Chris. Much appreciated. This has been Dr. James's One Cap Wonders. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with all of our latest episodes. 